Welcome, everybody, to Minute 66 of The Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into The Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and unfortunately, Tom, once again, isn't able to, to join us this week. He's uh, stuck in the cooler. I actually decided to wrangle co-host in, so uh, Jay Kluid is back from the uh, Deep Blue Sea podcast. Welcome back, Jay. Thank you, Rob. You've, you've captured me once again. I thought I had escaped successfully, but it turns out no, you see that? I, was not, I was not successful. That was all in Tom's basement. Tom's, Tom, Tom's now stuck there. Uh, yes. <laughs> he is right. now my captain. Exactly. And joining us today is Don Wistens, the author of the Great Escape Location website. Welcome, Don. Thank you. Uh, it's going to be really interesting talking to you. I've, I've seen a lot of their stuff on your website, and I've uh, listened to some podcasts that you've done. You know, it's, it's going to be really great for all the fans to be able to hear some of, of the information about uh, the different locations of the film and uh, what's happening with them now. So we're really glad to have you here. So thanks for joining us, Don. Yep. All right. Well, uh, episode 66 starts off with uh, Griffith mentioning that uh, that Soren is the one who has to deal with, with security and goes all the way till Griffith's going on, continuing to go on all about his work. So this is a, a strange episode for us to be talking about. The whole week is really strange, but but this particular episode where, uh, I mean, I'm not an expert in men's fashion wear. I, I don't know if either of you are, but this entire episode deals with men's fashions. I, I certainly am not. Uh, <laughs> I have a large collection of film-rated T-shirts and, and uh, woolly jumpers. That's about my, my limit. Uh, but I, I really like Griffith as a character. He, he is... Certainly one of the most English, most British characters in, in the film, I think. Um, yeah. Him, if you, I, between him and, and Blythe, have a bit of a British off, I think, in the film would be great. Yeah, but yeah. Just his, like, it, it's, it's marvellous, particularly the stride, marvellous. Just the way that he, his description of, of the clothes, I, I think he's great. There's not enough of Griffith in the film, but I, I do like that we, we see more of this. It's an aspect of the escape that most people wouldn't necessarily think about. Like, you need to get clothes for everyone. Like, it's like civilian clothing or, or clothes that would look fine outside of prison. I wouldn't think about that at all. Exactly. And he's so enthusiastic about it also, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's great. You know, I mean, he starts talking about all these different types of... Uh, first, I mean, the, the minute first starts off where, where, you know, he basically says, I'm not worried about any of the security. Someone else deals with that. And then, then he starts showing Roger all of the different materials that he's working on. You know, he has it all set up nicely on the on the table. Uh, it's as if you really were walking into a tailor shop with the way that uh, yeah. that, that it all is. You know, and he, he, he talks about the different, you know, different types of, of fabrics that he's able to get, uh, that he's able to, to scrounge. And they're able to get, uh, you know, he's able to make coats. You know, obviously, as we've discussed in the past, the idea here is is that they have, they, each of them have teams working on stuff. So he's got a whole team of tailors doing stuff here. He's got chaps working on them all over the compound. That's right. Chaps. They, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now, what, so, what, what, what part of England would say chaps? Or is that everybody? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Don, do you know that? Do you know the answer to that? dialects. <laughs> What was that? Sorry, I, I asked. Uh, what parts of England uses the the dialect of chaps? Um, I would have thought upper upper class people, wherever they are, maybe uh, predominantly in London, the wealthy do. Okay, yeah, sorry, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Because they're the, all the officers. Is that that's the way yeah. they yeah, the op- okay, right. So I mean, he, he just, it's just funny the way that they they keep talking about all the things. He says, "Oh, I'm gonna get the chaps to to, to do work on." The chaps are all working on this, and the the chaps are gonna make these into some sort of working man's outfits. Now, that's how you, you can definitely tell that Griffith is is uh, a kind of person who would say chaps, an upper class person, because there's like a as a pause for derision before he says work, working man's outfits. It's not the kind of thing he would wear. 
I'm certain that the clothing he wears is not a working man's outfit. <laughs> yeah, but he is part of the escape. He does. He does get. I, I believe he's one of the ones that gets out, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. But he, I, I don't think his clothing is. It would be in the the working man's proof. Uh, I think if he were to be able to choose that, he would definitely ask for some kind of officer. I can't remember what it is that he actually wears when he gets yeah, out. I don't remember either. Uh, I'll have to look have at to that check. in a few weeks when uh, when we see it. All right, so he talks about Working Man's Act. Then he mentions blanket ticking. ticking. Does, do either of you know what blanket ticking is? I, I looked it up. It's okay. uh, a cotton or linen textile that is tightly woven for durability and to prevent down feathers from poking through the fabric. It's used to cover mattresses. Basically, it's like a thin mesh fabric. Ah, it's the fabric on the mattress, basically. Yeah, basically, Okay. Yeah. I, I guess that, that that's not something that's needed or that will be missed. Uh, if they, they still have the blankets, then they wouldn't necessarily need, you wouldn't need the ticking, necessarily. Right. But then they're using the blankets as well. So right. That's true. <laughs> needs must. Yeah, and then he mentions the fact that, that you know, they're going to use this and they're going to make little waistcoats from them, which which also sounds really strange. It sounds it sounds like, oh, again, we're talking about upper class. So he's, he's saying, oh, and everyone's going to have their little waist, waistcoats and they'll have their, their dinner jackets and, uh, you know, we're going to tra- traipse across, uh, you know, Bavaria in, uh, in, in these type of clothing. You know? Very dapper. Exactly. And then he continues on and, you know, as he said, it's, it's dyed, of course. So I love Roger's response. Of course. <laughs> you know. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and, and, and he's so enthusiastic. Just take a look at this, Roger. Look, I got blanket material. And what we did was we scraped it down and it's really smooth. Dye it with boot polish. Yeah. Dye with boot polish. Now, where would they get boot polish? Is that something you think that they get from Red Cross? I feel like uh, Henley could scrounge that from, from the guard. Because the the officers or the, the the staff at the prison, the, the guards would probably have have to polish their boots. They probably have boot polish in that's true. Wherever they're staying, that's a good point. so that would be my guess. Right, Don. What do you think about that? Yeah, I would agree with Jay. No, because it's the type of thing that that uh, you know. Obviously, they need different color boot polish also, and the German boots I think were all a uh, uniform color. So, you know, this doesn't look like it's a, a black blanket or black no, fabric. It's kind you know, of brown, it's, but it's brownish yeah. exactly. So. You know, maybe maybe that is something that they would get from the Red Cross. I don't know. And then the whole idea of, of corduroy, corduroy scrounged by Henley, which you know that obviously anything that's scrounged is coming from the the guards. Yes. It, it it makes you wonder, you know, which guards are walking around with their pants on because they're giving them because <laughs> they've they've sold them for a pack of cigarettes. Or, I I, I want to see just the entire film that's just Henley scrounging because he gets so much stuff. <laughs> I, I just want to see. I, I, it, it must. I mean, this is based on a true story. I don't know how how much of the scrounging is true, but just I just I'm so intrigued as to how how he because there's there's reams and reams of fabric at the end of this minute. Exactly. Like, how, where did that go? How? Where is Henley going? Is he getting out of the prison and coming back? He's like pop into a, a fabric store. And and they have it all now. It's like they've they've been doing this for a few weeks. So it's not like. You know, it's not like uh, it's taken him a year to to gather all of this uh, all this fabric. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, in, and, it's and, incredible. Exactly, and and with the amount that he has, Griffin still says, "I wish I had more." <laughs> <laughs> Meaning, I'm not I'm not grateful for what I already have. What I, and and this basically gives an answer to your question: Where does he get them? You know, Roger asks the question: You know, how did you get them? And he, he says, "I got them from Henley." And then he says, "Well, where did he get them?" And he says. I asked him that, and what did he say? Don't ask. Yeah. Well, that's it. Everyone's got their own job to do. This is what, one of the things I love about this film. Everyone has their own role. No one's really that bothered about how everyone else is doing with theirs. They're just relying on 
that they're going to get it done. So at the start of the minute, when he says, oh, that's Soren's job to work out where everything's going to be hidden, that's not for Griffith to worry about. Griffith, he's relying on Soren. He knows that Soren's going to, he's going to figure it out. It'll be somewhere. Griffith's job is to get the clothes made. And everyone just gets on with their own role. And everyone comes through. Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. But that's because they wrote a good script. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then basically he, he says that they're working on overcoats, you know, with, with this new type of fabric that they're doing. So, I mean, uh, it, it makes you wonder how, how Griffiths is actually uh, a pilot. You know, like what, you know, what pilot has an expertise in, tailor, in, in tailoring and fabrics that's going to be there? Well, I'm sure that maybe his, in the time, maybe his mum made clothing and he helped her out in his youth. So he had like seen someone sat at a sewing machine or whatever the technology was back in the 40s and or 30s. And so he just had that. He had more experience than anybody else would be my guess. And so they needed someone to make clothes. And he's like, well, I've, I've seen it be done <laughs> once, I suppose. And he's learned from there. Or maybe he just loved clothing, making those clothes as a child. Who, who can say? Yeah, so I, it I, take, I, takes all sorts. Okay. <laughs> so Don, what uh, your your expertise is is actually the the Great Escape locations. So why, why don't you tell everyone about one of the locations that you've uh, that, that you've researched and visited? Well, I back in 2012 when we had the um, 50th anniversary of the Great Escape, which I believe was filmed in. 1962 and then released in 1963. Correct. Um, as a teacher, I found I had time in August to read about Steve McQueen in his wife's book, uh, My Husband, My Friend. And there was one location uh, linked to The Great Escape in that book, and it was Dining, G-E-I-N-I-N-G. So back in 2012, I decided with a couple of friends to get in a car and drive 800 miles over to Germany. And uh, I think it took us about a day and a bit. And um, we arrived in Munich. Um, we looked around, tried to search for the camp, which is no longer there because they planted uh, trees. Um, and then we went off looking for dining. And apparently there are two places called dining. And we obviously went to the wrong place. <laughs> Um, but I ended up, in, but I ended up in dining, but because I didn't know exactly where specifically it was, um, we never found in dining where Steve McQueen lived. And in the literature, we hear about, read about where he used to drive through the fields and through the flocks and through the woods to Bavaria Studios, which was about five, six miles away. So it's a location I really wanted to find, but we decided to drive down to Fusen, which is where mainly the locations of the Big Jump and uh, other uh, infamous locations took place. But over a five-year period, I returned, and every year I found every location, including the home of um, where Steve McQueen lived in dining, and actually in a place down in Fusion where he lived. So I was looking really for all the locations, but in specific, the sort of personal locations where Steve McQueen was off camera. So for me, The Great Escape is all about Steve McQueen. I think Steve McQueen would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, not sure, I'm not sure the rest of the cast would, but... Uh... <laughs> well, he's definitely the star, isn't he? He's, he's, the, he's on all the posters. Yes. He gets all the money shots. So, yeah. He's... That's true. So... So, 
over the five years I went back to Germany, and but this time around I flew, hired a car, found the specific place where the camp is in Bavaria Studios, and then found where James Coburn stole the bike, found where James Garner uh, took the plane, and um, went back down to Fusen, and I've made a lot of friends down there. But um, in England, uh, there were still several of the cast still alive. So I met William Russell, the chap you see smoking a pipe in the film. He was given a lecture. That's Soren. Yes, it is. So he was lecturing on his role in Doctor Who. We have a famous series called Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. So he was originally in that as a teacher, I believe. So I listened to his lecture, but he was (laughs) talking more about Doctor Who than The Great Escape. But I had a chance to ask him a few questions, but it wasn't the place to ask him. Um, The other chap I met in person, uh, Tom Adams, and he lived in Old Windsor, just near London. And um, he used to tell me stories about The Great Escape and Steve McQueen. And the other one I met last year, I believe, um, John Layton, the tunneler. And he was invited over to Fusion to reenact the jump with a famous chap in England that Jay may know called Guy Martin. I'm familiar with Guy Martin, yes. And they they reenacted that jump, and I was behind the story or helping to bring that together oh, wow. because of my because of my website. So the website I have is greatescapelocations.com, so people access it and uh, ask me questions about the locations, and then, and often I invite them to go over to Germany uh, for a tour to find these specific iconic locations oh wow okay well we'll, we'll talk more later in the week about uh, some of the other locations that you've been to um do you have anything else you want to say about this particular minute nope oh it's, it's all done in one shot I, I quite liked it's all the whole minute is one take one yeah. uh just starting at the back of the room coming towards the front i love yeah. when that kind of it's thing one happens. it's one it's... tracking shot the whole way through yeah. exactly it works really well okay um jay do you want to tell people how they can uh, get in touch with you also uh, yeah, my as you mentioned in my intro, uh, I do Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, which is a very similar thing you're doing here, but looking at the 1999 Rennie Harlan film, Deep Blue Sea, one chapter at a time rather than one minute at a time. And we've moved on to the sequels as well. So we're almost, at the time of recording, we're almost finished doing Deep Blue Sea 2, Deep Blue Sea 3, just around the corner. It's a, it's a less prestige film than The Great Escape, but we're having fun talking about it. Every- well, that's the important thing. You have to have fun doing this. Indeed. Okay, yes. and uh, so while, while you're all looking for, looking at both uh, Don and Jay's uh, sites, you can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher that you might be using uh, to listen to the show. Uh, you can send us an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. And uh, you can uh, contact us on Twitter at greatescapemxm. So until tomorrow, tally-ho. 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 Tally-ho.